the people that I see who genuinely have burnout, who have literally depleted their emotional and mental and physical well-being and they have nothing left to give, it has probably taken them years to get to that point. And it's probably going to take them years to get back to where they wanted to be and that to being healthy. Hello and welcome to Enough, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Leto. This show is a mashup of inspiration and exploration around what gets in the way of us feeling good enough. If you're a leader whose life looks shiny and together from the outside, but inside your inner critic assures you that you are one hot mess, this podcast is for you. It's time to own your worth quirks, foibles, imperfections, and all. Welcome to Enough. I want to have more conversations about women's mental health and burnout. A CNBC Women at Work study conducted in America this year, in 2021, suggests that the pandemic has had a disproportionate impact on women. 65% said that the pandemic has made things worse for women in the workplace. 37% considered quitting, mainly due to stress. And 53% with children under 18 said they experienced burnout at least some of the time. In my own coaching practice, I often hear words like, deflated, languishing, and exhausted from my female clients. It's time to say enough. Today's guest is Dr. Bella Smith, a National Health Service GP with more than two decades of experience. She's on Instagram as the Digital GP and on The Well HQ, offering insights on women's medical health. What should we be looking for as signs of burnout? Your body will speak for you when it needs to. It's really interesting. Your body will tell you, I need to stop and, and develop something, I think, physical that makes you go, hang on a minute. One of the challenges with burnout is the slippery slope way in which it happens. Oh, and we often suck at being great self-advocates for our health because those pesky ingrained, I can do it all tendencies have kept us winning at life thus far. As it gets worse, emotionally you feel you actually start to ironically work harder because you think to yourself I'm not coping I can't keep up at this pace so what I'll do instead is I won't sleep <laughs> I'll, I'll go to bed at midnight and I'll wake up at five so that I can get the work done to get the job done. Sound familiar? Okay, so what can we do to avoid languishing in the on and onness of this pandemic? Let's find out. This is such an important conversation that I have been waiting a very long time <laughs> to get you on to talk to us about women's mental health and the hot little motor burning underneath burnout and perfectionism, you know, which can tend to make us push ourselves so hard. And then you add the cluster suck of the pandemic. Yeah. <gasps> wow. So 
Tell us a little bit about what you are seeing in your practice Mm -hmm. with women turning up saying, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I ain't normal. What are you seeing? Okay, so I just have to put you in the picture. So I'm I'm a GP and so I'm frontline NHS and I see women every single day. And and I think being a a middle-aged female GP means that I actually attract more women perhaps and I see people um, for a number of reasons and often even before the pandemic I would see a lot of women coming through with with burnout or early burnout or just sort of signs of exhaustion and then also add into that hormones and menopause and all the other issues that can creep up on us women and women's health is something that I'm so so passionate about because it is something I think that's so neglected and women's mental health even more so and then you add in the pandemic and the pandemic has been extraordinary on many levels because it has it has taken away the structure the coping capacity the the ability for us to look after ourselves in any way shape or form that we can and it's absolutely sort of bulldozed all the boundaries and gone you know you're working from home you've got this happening, that happening, you've got childcare. And it's, I'm seeing, I have seen a lot of women coming through with, with terrible, terrible effects of their mental health. And it's changing, you know, so when you look at lockdown, when it first happened, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of, you know, anticipation about their own health, about, about relatives that has evolved over the last 18 months. I think for all of us, hasn't it? The anxiety has changed. A lot of it has been a bit the, more of a low mood, the fact that no one can see each other, the loneliness, the isolation, and, and and the kind of the chronic kind of just not being able to, you know, it's like constant rubbish, isn't it? And, and this sort of ongoing feeling. And, um, yeah, we're seeing a lot. And actually, I'll be honest with you, Mandy, we're seeing, I'm seeing children, teenagers, young young adults who should be enjoying life elderly this is affecting us all men and women um, but we're here to talk about women but you know it has been a, it's been a struggle I think for everyone thank you for sharing that I I think that as you said it's a very important topic I know that even in pre-pandemic times when I was going through my own struggles with mental health and burnout. I didn't know what to call it. It, It's one of those things that it just took a really, really long time for me to go in and try to get help on this because I just kept thinking, I've just got a stiff upper lip it. I've just got to push through. I need more coffee. I need more high intensity exercise. I just need to get a grip. That was, you know, me struggling with my inner critic a lot of the time. And something tells me that I'm not alone there, that particularly for something like low mood or low energy, low libido, just feeling like low grade, mm-hmm. that's a technical term, but you know what I mean? Like the meh zone feeling yeah. and kind of the yeah. mush of it. Is this something that you see as well that people won't necessarily turn up? I had no idea what I was presenting with when I went to the GP. Yeah. And I just, you know, when when I got a diagnosis, like there's nothing wrong with your bloods, for example, it was just like, oh, I'm just a wimp and I just need to get a grip. So what spurred me to go to the GP was actually not the low mood or the libido that had 
long disappeared or just the feelings of chronic exhaustion and pain in my joints. It was actually that I broke out in perioral dermatitis. Dermatitis, yeah. Your body, <laughs> your body will speak for you when it needs to. It's really interesting. Your body will tell you, I need to stop and, and develop something, I think, physical that makes you go, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I think you're right, Mandy. Um, I'll be honest with you, really honest with you. Burnout was not really on my radar until about maybe five years ago, four years ago. I think it was very much a, it, it certainly wasn't recognized as a medical term in, in my world. I'm sure other doctors and nurses probably had no heard of it, but I certainly hadn't. And, and I don't know that it was readily used, and, but over the last four or five years, it absolutely has. And I think it's, well, it, basically it, it is emotional, mental and physical exhaustion. And I think the early signs of it are, you know, the emotional side, you just feel a bit fed up, that, that, you know, the early signs, a bit fed up, you start to resent people a bit, you start to think, hang on a minute, she's working less hours than I am, or you start to uh, feel a bit guilty. Um, and, and, and and like physically, you know, you may pick up the odd cough and cold and think, oh, just I'm just not feeling the energy. You fast forward that, and then that, this time scale can be, rapid you know for some people they burn out very quickly it's a it's a short sharp kind of period of, of burnout but some it can be prolonged and it and it's and you've stopped you, you stop remembering where you were and you can you have nothing to compare it to and as it gets worse emotionally you feel you actually start to ironically work harder because you think to yourself I'm not coping I can't keep up at this pace so what I'll do instead is I won't sleep. <laughs> I'll I'll go to bed at midnight and I'll wake up at five so that I can get the work done to get the job done. And it and it and actually what you need is your, you know, the 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 the, the angel on your shoulder to go, no, stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it sometimes it it very often takes another person to recognise it to tell you. Um, and that hopefully will be a loved one or even your GP or it may be your skin or your body or your bowels or, or, or a headache or something that says, no, I've had enough. Um, but yes, as, as, as burnout becomes worse and worse, and, and I often say this, the people that I see who genuinely have burnout, who have literally depleted their emotional and mental and physical well-being and they have nothing left to give, it has probably taken them years to get to that point. And it's probably going to take them years to get back to where they wanted to be and that to being healthy and to being able to cope with that level of stress again. Not that they should ever cope with that level of stress again, because that's what we got in the first place. Um, but it's a long, it's a slow burner. And, and, and I think they need the, the love and the support and, the, and it needs to be a very planned entry back in, into where they want to go. There's so many important things that you just said. The one that feels most urgent for me is this idea that it's not about getting support to be able to get back to the lifestyle that made you burnt out in the first place. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and I think that I think we're all guilty of this. I mean, I, I always say that I'm slightly on the edge of burnout. I think we're all slightly on the edge of burnout the whole time because this is the way our lives are the way we live our lives, isn't it? We're 24-7 on call. We're we're checking things, we're on emails, we're living this fast-paced life. And and we can't we can't we can't thrive in these conditions. And actually, 
in some ways, we should be working less. We should be resting more. We shouldn't see rest as a as a weakness. We should see rest as a re- way of replenishing our energy. And therefore, we can work more efficiently. And actually, if we can work more efficiently, everyone's a winner, surely, you know. Um, so you're absolutely right. I think my, the answer to that, I think, is always have really, really strict boundaries. So I, this is what I, how I live my life. I have really strict sort of day and night boundaries, who family time boundaries, work, this is work, this is not work. <laughs> and, and also, you have to say no. I say no to 90%. I know everyone, I know there's opportunity, but I'm very strict with my time. And I think you just have to be putting yourself at the top of your to-do list. Your, your self-care is key and, and it's all about you. And until you can absolutely look after number one. So, so for example, I spoke to a lady the other day who is having terrible hormonal symptoms, um, possibly in early menopause. And we were talking and I said, now tell me about you. Tell me about your lifestyle. What is it that you do? Do you eat well? Yes, I eat really well. Do, do you drink alcohol? No, I don't drink alcohol. We went through this whole kind of thing. Your date, she works long hours. Do you exercise? No, I, I, I don't have time to exercise. And I'm thinking, in my opinion, exercise or movement in some way, shape or form, moving our bodies, doing stuff with our bodies is the key to maintaining good emotional mental and physical health so in in essence helping to prevent burnout and I was like you've got to carve out that time in your day it doesn't matter when it is and it doesn't mean getting up at four in the morning to do it you know that's another risk that's another thing that a lot of us find you end up sort of the 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 waking up in the morning gets earlier no (laughs) don't get up any earlier than just you know don't do that meeting, say no, or don't do that other thing that you said you'd do or make time for yourself. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. And as women, I think, I think we find it hard. I think there's a particular challenge for women. I was reading some statistics today online that women do 20 hours, like since the pandemic started, we're doing 20 hours a week, in addition to our blurred home life, work life uh, jobs that we're doing. We're doing 20 hours of caregiving and household work. And when you add that on to a 40 hour work week, ha ha ha, Mm -hmm. now that we're working more than ever, because there's no commute, we're getting up earlier, we're staying later, people are checking emails before bed, I I can't remember the percentage, some ridiculous percentage of people are checking emails at 11 o'clock at night, you know, still. Mm -hmm. So there's this pressure to continue to sustain standards pre-COVID standards of my house should look a certain way. I need to maintain this fitness routine, you know, everything. The kids need to be perfectly educated where when we're homeschooling them, there needs to be healthy meals on the table. It's just coming to a breaking point. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these symptoms that you were describing in these kind of physical, emotional, mental I'd love to circle back to that because for me, it was vanity. It was my skin because Mm -hmm. I had like a scabby goatee. That's why I went to the (laughs) doctor, not because I couldn't climb the stairs or why I was drinking four cups of espresso a day. It was, it was my skin. So, you know, the, the pressure is immense right now. So if somebody was feeling 
a little bit low and a little bit like they can't sleep. You know, you, what should people be looking for to take this seriously? Because everybody's tired. Everybody feels a bit low. Well, I shouldn't grossly generalize, but most people are feeling the impact of yeah. the pandemic. So yeah. could you speak as a GP if you were there with your clipboard, for example, going through the kind of things that would be pointing to burnout or adrenal fatigue or however you might call it in the medical world, what would be some of the symptoms that women should be looking for? Yeah, so um, great question. I mean, in, in terms of mental health, it, you need to look for things that the sort of the red flags would be loss of complete joy, spontaneous crying you know, feeling, even though we're all feeling rubbish, we should have moments where we spontaneously laugh, where we look forward to things, where there's something in the future that you think, you know, Christmas will be good or that holiday next year, if we can get there, that'd be lovely. When you are low, depressed, when you are, when your mental health is taking a nosedive down the slippery slope that we don't want to go, you don't feel that joy. So you have these very, very low, very, um, very sad days that are endless, that go on not not sort of a good morning and a bad afternoon, but that are constantly low for more than four weeks. Um, but also you can have physical symptoms. So things like not eating not or overeating. Actually, that's another one. You know, you may feel, actually, I just want to eat and eat and eat and I don't care anymore. Uh, not wanting to see friends, you may feel that you're not sleeping, you may not get to sleep, you may get to sleep, but then wake up really early and have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Um, you you know, it may be that you start noticing other physical symptoms, like you're getting chest pain, or your heart is racing, or you're waking up at night sweating. Another biggie that happens for women, when we're not healthy, our hormones often go off the scale, because Hormones are, when you have a regular period, that is generally a sign of good health, generally. I mean, obviously, there are conditions where, or medications where you, you, you don't have a regular period. But, it, you know, we look at, we look at athletes, and, and if they overtrain, they often lose their periods. And, or if you are stressed, you, you often, your periods get heavier or change. And certainly, um, we've noticed this in lockdown that I think there was a study that 52% of women said that their periods had changed because of the stress, the pressure pot of lockdown had created such a sort of a, 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 a change in their hormones. So, you know, it, it can be physical, mental, and, and often, as you say, it, it may be, it may be something like your hair starts to fall out or, you know, your your skin or um, anything. And I think that's why I that's why my job is so it's been it's so horrid at the moment is because those little things that I would pick up on when I would see a patient face to face, if you're doing over the phone, it's very hard to do. Um, you know, and 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 it's it, it so it, there's lots and lots of things that you would pick up, you know, by say, seeing someone and saying, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Or how long has it been like that? So yeah, those, those are kind of the main ones. And But obviously the next one, the biggie would be, you know, if someone was having suicidal thoughts, someone and, and asking them that question and saying, have you thought, I mean, only obviously this is something that we're trained to do, but, and and for them to honestly say to you, well, actually, yes, I have. And, and, and there are different levels of burnout. So it may be as I say, it may be mild, it may be just that I feel exhausted, that I can't walk up the stairs, or it may be that I'm so bad, I can't see a way out. 
and I, 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 I'm at crisis point and I need professional help. And that is something that we would organize as a matter of urgency. Are you finding that because, as you said, some of these symptoms are so cumulative that, and also because we're in a pandemic that everybody around us might be feeling a bit low or limping along with our day-to-day lives. Are you finding that women are delaying coming in because, you know, there are people, and I'm doing air quotes here, with real problems mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm just feeling a bit low and tired? And and if so, what would you what would you say to somebody who's listening, who's nodding at all of those symptoms? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got loads of things to say about this. <laughs> I think in general, women are... So we are the linchpin, especially in our age bracket, we are the linchpin of whole families. So we have children relying on us. We have often our parents relying on us, our partners relying on us. We take over, I think, something like 80% of healthcare decisions for the whole family and not just our own. So because of that, often our own healthcare decisions get put to the bottom of our list. So I think anyway... I think women often put themselves last. The other thing is often these symptoms are uh, insidious, that they creep up on you. So certainly hormonal symptoms like menopause often creeps up on you. It's not something that, you know, that hits you like a chest infection. It's like, a, you know, this has been going on. And luckily now the menopause is becoming so much more talked about. Women are looking for these symptoms and are aware of it, thank goodness, so that they can get the right help that they need. But because of that, I think that takes time for women to come forward. We've also had in lockdown, we've had women not wanting to come forward because they don't want to waste a doctor's time or they don't think it's important enough. And also they haven't come forward often because they're frightened. They're frightened of COVID. They don't want to be, they'd rather not be investigated and wait on a symptom than go up to hospital, as some of them have said. Um, or they're frightened of just coming into the surgery. Or, And another one is that having the phone consultations, there's, there's too many barriers. They haven't got the time or the, the stress. They just haven't got the opportunity in their day. It's just too difficult. And I often see this with women who, say, have postnatal depression. They're so freaking exhausted. You know, they phone the receptionist and they say, is it an emergency? And they'd say, no, no, it's not. And I, I'm like, say, say yes, it is. <laughs> it is. You, you're, you're depressed and you're postnatal. It is an emergency. You've got to come through to it, you know. And and this is so. What I would say is, you've got, you've just got to. Unfortunately, you've just got to shout a bit louder. You've got to make sure and and be your own, your own self advocate. And if you are worried, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Just, I mean, certainly in my surgery, I would say, just give me a call, and I'll call you back. We'll have a chat. And, you know, or or find out about certain things or read about certain things. But if you know your own normal and you are the expert in your own body and if you feel that something is different or changed, don't ignore it. And I do loads of work, Mandy, for I'm an ambassador for the Eve Appeal, which is the women's gynae cancer charity where we talk about the five gynae cancers. And we talk about, um, you know, how women have literally died from embarrassment or died from ignoring symptoms. And it's like, don't, please don't, don't sit on symptoms like this, you know, just reach out and and make a conversation. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far and that it's messing with your thinking a little bit around you taking some of those symptoms that you've brushed under the carpet 
a little bit more seriously. You are not wasting the GP's time. You need to become a better advocate for yourself. Don't do what Muggins did over here and wait till you need to be hit in the head with a proverbial two by four to drag your carcass in to the GP. Please become a better advocate for yourself. What's coming after this segment is Bella's explanation of what she calls the elephants in the room. The way that we can start to get really, really honest with ourselves on how we're contributing to some of those feelings that we might be having, those feelings of depletion. And I love her practical tips on what we can start to do. Back to the episode. And we always talk about the elephant in the room. It's like, you know, all of us have one thing that you think in terms of lifestyle, you know, like, am I... And it may be like, am I drinking that bottle of wine? Like, you know, are you really, are you really drinking a bit too much? Like, if I was really honest, and, and it might be, but I have kale for lunch and I have a smoothie, but are you <laughs> having that bottle of wine? You know, that's the elephant in the room that might be tipping you over the edge. Or it may be like we deal uh, with a lot of athletes, you know, active women. And actually, for a lot of women, it's like I'm going to train and I'm going to train damn hard and I'm going to slightly punish myself because I want to get my figure back and I want to be the, you know, da, da. and then, and actually you're doing more harm to your hormones. You're stressing your body too much and we've already got enough stress. And actually you don't need to be doing that. You need to be doing something a bit more healing, a bit calmer, something like yoga would be a better workout for you at that point. Don't get me wrong. High intensity training is amazing, but some women are overtraining, and some women don't train at all. And it's, and it's very often that elephant in the room, if you look at the big picture and you think, right, let me look at my life for a second and my foundations of fitness and my, my, my foundations of my lifestyle, you know, my sleep, my food, or my, you know, my nutrition, my, my exercise, what, my, my, my social, you know, my family, my friends and, and my workload and look and my stress levels. That's the other big one, you know. It, stress levels I all often say to my patients how do you de-stress and they look at me sometimes and go, well what, what, what do you mean by that and I say well there has to be a way to release all this stress and do you actively try and do it and it's hard and so many times I go I haven't really thought about that well I go for a dog walk or I uh, you know and it's really important I think to find a way whether it's meditation or whether it's you know singing in a choir which again this goes back to lockdown where all these things were taken away from us. All our ways of coping with life and stress were taken away. And that has what, you know, not being able to sing in the choir for some of my elderly patients, not being able to meet for a coffee, coffee not even being able to walk down a road because of the risk of, of COVID. Not having, I mean, I had one lady who hasn't hugged anyone for a year. Mm. No, and you just and and she's been in her, on her own in an apartment, and these are I mean these are women in their eighties, men and women in their eighties, and it breaks my heart. And you think, you know, so yeah, I think it's it's going back to it's it's having a good honest look at your lifestyle and your your work. What and just saying, right, what can I do to make it that little bit better? I love this idea of the elephants in the room. Because I think we can talk ourselves out, coming back to this, we can talk ourselves out of this, I'm fine, the insidious, 
I'm fine. But when you actually take a good hard look at what is going on, like, yep, I might be training hard, but I'm necking back a bottle of claret every night, uh -huh. or I'm on the Peloton for an hour, but I'll eat half a cheesecake or not me personally, but, um, you know, <laughs> <I would. laughs> whatever, whatever, you know, sometimes we, we do some, we exercise so we can overeat or over drink at something. Yeah. And I, I love this idea of the examples of the elephants in the room as yeah. well, that, you know, there's all these key aspects, the, the physical, the social, the, it, am I sleeping properly? Yeah. Those are really important. Do any others come to mind aside from those you've mentioned? Um, no, but there's, well, one thing I want to say was that, um, like you spent, I, I've, I've, I've been in the same bed for 10 years and I've just got a new bed and it's absolutely amazing. And I think to myself, why do I not spend, I spend money on my car, I spend money on holidays and yet sleep is the fundamental thing that keeps us healthy. And I've only just got this amazing bed and pillows, etc. Um, so, you know, but others will come to me. But the other thing I wanted to say while I, I'm remembering it was that I speak to my 11-year-old daughter and, you know, going back to what you're saying about punishing ourselves. So often you're right. We kind of say, right, I'll have a big night. I'll go out for dinner. But tomorrow morning I'm going to get up. And even even though I'm tired, I'm going to make myself go for a run to get rid of what I ate last night or vice versa. I'm going to go for a run so that I can be ready to eat loads tonight. And I say to my daughter, this body, our amazing bodies, are going to be with us from the day we're born to the day we die. We've got to love them. We've got to cherish them. We've got to respect them. We don't punish them. We're kind to them. We're grateful for them. You know, and when they go wrong, we help them. We've got to love our bodies. They are miraculous. And to say, you know, you can't have, I mean, obviously everything in moderation, but it's, it's if you do something and it hurts or if you feel it's, don't do it it's you know treat it as like a friend it, you know it sounds a bit and my daughter listens to me and I'm and she's starting to respect it so I, you know she grabs a bag of Haribo and I go you know have a couple but you probably don't want to have loads of them because you know it's quite inflammatory for your body and well, I don't quite say that but <laughs> but you know it, your body you'll feel a bit sick and it, your body won't you won't enjoy it you know and then she's starting to learn it and I think that's it's just listening to our bodies and respecting our bodies and being grateful to them. I want to ask you kind of a odd question, perhaps to be <laughs> asking a GP, but in my experience, a lot of the women who tend to have burnout, perfectionist tendencies, be overachievers, and a lot of the other guests that I've spoken to who have clients, they might be therapists, the imperfection specialist, Sarah Normandin talks that a lot of her her clients are women that tend to present with these types of behaviors also tend to be quite disconnected from their bodies, you know, kind of like being heads on legs. Uh -huh. Like the body will do what I say it's going to do. And I will, you know, kind of put a manhole cover there just underneath my sternum. So I don't need to feel the body screaming so I can keep pushing. Uh-huh. Now, we've talked about this on other episodes from a therapist's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you have anything to say about becoming more in tune with our bodies from a GP's perspective. Some people are way better at listening to their bodies yeah. than kind of those type A, very driven, yeah. very ambitious people. 
What yes. would you say to that? I think that's absolutely fascinating what you've just said, Mandy, because I think you're absolutely right. And and a lot of people are disconnected. And I think that the more the more you can listen to your body, it's so powerful. It's talking to you, just like just like the universe is talking to you. Your body is telling you things. And I think that it's not just everyone. I think generations, I think our generations, as we've gone through the decades, we are becoming less and less body literate. We talk about, um, in with the well that we've, we've set up, we talk about tracking periods and tracking. It's not just about the, the bleed. It's about your cycle and how hormones can be your superpower, knowing when to train, knowing when you're strong, knowing when you're ovulating, knowing when you want sex, knowing when you don't want sex, you know, understanding your urges. It's actually it's actually really powerful being a woman because we've got this wonderful sort of ups and downs. There's times in our cycle when we're stronger, when we can build more muscle. There's times when we're more risk-taking. There's time when we're calmer, when we sleep better. And these are different times in our cycle. And our body will tell us, I mean, we can track it. Of course we can track it. But we'll have different vaginal discharge. We'll have different breast sizes. We'll have different. Our skin will look different, and and our bowels will be different, all depending on our on our hormones. It's it's amazing, and I think you know, a hundred years ago, a woman would know when she was fertile, when she was ovulate, and we're not so much now. For somebody who's recovering mm -hmm. and they're trying to find their footing again, they can't go back to how they used to be and they're not quite the new them, the 2.0 version. So they're in this in between. And, you know, I, sp the reason I'm asking this question is I spent a lot of toing and froing thinking, I feel better enough. Now I can start running again. Yeah. And then I would slide back. Yeah. And two months later, but I feel better now. Now I can start running again. And I would slide back. So it was kind of like, duh, maybe running isn't for you anymore. Yeah, so yeah. that would be my, my first ask is somebody's recovering and coming out of them. How did, how do you speak to this person that they don't slide back into the old 1.0 version of themselves? Um, so um, first of all, I would, all the way through your journey, whoever's listening, I would journal, I would write down how you're feeling, and I would try and document symptoms and, and, and sort of how your energy levels are so that you can reflect back. It's, that's so powerful. Because some, and we do this with, with depression, with mood, with anxiety, because it's hard, you think, oh, it's not getting much better. And you reflect back and you say, actually, I am a little bit better. That's amazing. The the other thing really is you it, you've got to take it slow. You have to take it slow. Now, in my role as a GP, I have the ability to to make it as slow as possible for you. So, I sign people off. We do phase returns. We make it absolutely doable for that person. And sometimes I have to insist, and sometimes you know people are able to, you know take as much time sometimes people I sometimes I have to say no you're not ready and sometimes I have to say pe to people I think you are ready <laughs> come on and I think the other thing is you know th there's 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 sort of boundaries and 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 different conditions that are slightly similar that we're seeing like 
long COVID, like chronic fatigue, like burnout, like ME, you know, these are all conditions that we know have uh, a massive, I think historically, again, weren't so recognized. And again, especially with long COVID now, it's done heaps for for new research. It's so much for new research into these conditions and understanding because people that have never had chronic fatigue are now got long COVID and they're going, oh my God, these symptoms are real. Like I literally can't get out of bed and I now respect those people that have had chronic fatigue. And again, for them, it's all about moderation and it's about piecemealing and doing things little and often and listening to your body on the days that you don't have the energy, you don't do it. You know, you say, I can't do it today. I'm having a a down day, but tomorrow you wake up, you feel better, you do it, but you don't overdo it. You do it in moderation and you listen to your body, whether that's tracking your heart rate or or how you feel or your mood and and taking it slow. And I think recognizing that you know, this is not this is not a failing or or you know, this is physically, mentally, this is a thing that needs to heal and it takes time. The second question I wanted to do as we start to draw this to a close, I want to circle back to boundaries. Because you you jumped into boundaries at the beginning and I thought this deserves some space. So let's get our elbows out and make some space here for boundaries. Uh, For somebody who, this applies to people who are coming out of burnout, but it also applies for those of us who, as you said, are just left of burnout. Yeah. And I would love to hear how you, as a professional who Mm -hmm. have probably been left of burnout, particularly since you've been working in this industry during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's very, very intense. I would love if you would take us behind the GP's curtain (laughs) and share with us how you create boundaries, because you could work 24-7, you could quit Mm -hmm. sleeping temporarily you know you could get rid of all the things that bring you joy because there yeah. would be plenty of work for you to do literally I could work eight days a week yeah 100 yeah. percent um so I, I mean I guess to start off with sleep is my priority and I sleep about eight to nine hours every night I will not wake up before seven you cannot pay me to wake up before seven I I live three miles from my work so I drive to work it takes no, I beg your pardon. I, I live three minutes from my work. So I'm able to drive very quickly to work if I'm needed uh, or, you know, on a day. I make time for my exercise. I do something every day. So today I walked. Today was kind of like a rest day. Yesterday I did a fitness class. The day before I ran five miles, it was my day off. Uh, I, so exercise is key. I um, I, I often get asked out of hours by a lot of often friends will send me messages oh would you just look at this rash would you look at this can I ask you questions and I I will answer if I if they're good friends I will answer questions like that you know and and help people but it is in my it's in the time that I've allotted for work which is my sort of not eight till six you know when that's over no I don't do that and I also have a very I have a kind of a barometer where, you know, yes, so the summer has gone quiet. I know for, for us that September, October is going to be busy. And I know that. And now I'm going to scale back on 
on social events. I want, I've got to have a certain amount of time with my children. I want a certain amount of time at home with my husband. I said, I want a, a couple of date nights. The work will do a certain amount, but I'm very kind of aware of how I spread out my week and I stick to it. As soon as I recognize that things are going a little bit weird, like, so I, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were working very long hours and I was very aware that I we were overworking and I got to a point and we weren't able to take any annual leave. There was no, we, we weren't allowed to take any annual leave. Um, and I, and then it was just a case of just trying to minimize, you know, the, the other stuff. So really, I, I just gave up booze because I just found that that was a way that I knew I'd sleep better and I knew that I could focus better. So I didn't drink anything and I didn't do as many exercise classes and I just slept more. But now I'm now that we're back able to have annual leave, I make sure that I take at least a couple of days off annual leave pretty much every six weeks to have time for myself, time away, time to switch off. Because the, the, the thing with my job is that you're, I'm listening, I'm listening to often heartbreaking stories I'm, I'm listening to people, you know, today I'm sounding hoarse because I've literally spoken to about 60 people. Um, and a lot of those, um, and, you know, all those stories, all those people are real. They're all real, genuine, heartbreaking, tricky problems that I'm ha- trying to help solve. And it, and it can, you know, it can, you, you give a bit of your soul to all of them, or you try to. And um, What about digital boundaries? So... I'm I'm guilty in that I I do because I find that I have social media off between eight and six because I am at work. So when I'm with with patients, I can't really check my phone. So I will look at my my phone and my emails when I get home between sort of six, eight, nine. But then yeah, I try I try and turn it off, and I definitely love a digital detox. I've done a couple of those and I think they're fabulous. But yeah, I mean, just having that phone on airplane mode from about nine o'clock and just not touching it again or playing a game maybe. But things as well like, um, you know, tucking it in a drawer so you haven't got the blue light or the white light or whatever it is and making sure that you're not getting distracted. But I, I do, I mean, I find social, I find checking my phone tricky. Because I often find when I finish my surgery, I've got like a hundred WhatsApps, but I turn all my notifications off. I don't know if you do, Mandy, but I, so I won't know who, you know, because you're often on loads of groups. So I'll often have all these WhatsApps left. Um, but it's kind of finding what's right for you. One thing that I noticed when I was really in the thick of my burnout was I was awake so much of the night that I found that I ended up just reaching for my phone at night mm-hmm. and then I couldn't fall back asleep. And I think this is, this is, I probably know what you're going to say about, you know, when somebody gets up to pee as many women of a certain age tend to pee in the night and it's such a temptation to pick up your phone. And I used to tell myself, Oh, I'm just going to look at the time, but I know right. that was just, so yeah. I'm, I'm guessing what you're going to say on this, but go on, indulge us. Checking your phone when you wake up to pee in the night. Yeah, don't don't check your phone. I mean, I don't. I don't. I absolutely never do that. I never check the time. I'd rather not know. I just literally keep my eyes shut and go for a pee and come back. <laughs> but yeah, because imagine that the light is just going to wake you up, and then what are you going to find? 
you know, what if you find a comment on, on your Instagram or an email that's come through? Are you going to open it? Like, and what does that lead to? And the worry, you know, they say, don't they, that if you wake up in the night and you can't get back to sleep, you need to do a really mundane chore, like clear out a drawer in your kitchen <laughs> or, you know, do something really mundane and just try and just and then and don't do it in bed do it outside of bed so that you're cold and you're like all right let me get back into bed and you get back in bed and you fall asleep but I always have a book on the go like I always try to have something often I mean I do a lot of um I'm reading a lot of kind of biographies and autobiographies and those sort of things because I find them fascinating but I have a certain time of day when I will read those and at bed I often just need a story I literally just need like, uh, you know, uh, a love story or even some kind of trash or something that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, I even love reading. Sometimes the children have read like things like The Hunger Games or Harry Potter. And I'll sometimes go, do you know what? I'm going to read Harry Potter again because it just takes you to a different world. You can switch off and then you sleep. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the key thing is to switch off because, it's the torrent of thoughts and the unfinished items on the to-do list, the unclosed loops that as soon as there's any space, they start to twirl around. So, yeah. And when you have, when you wake up in the night, those worries are 20 times as bad as when you wake up in the morning and you wake up in the morning, you think, why was I even worried about that? I ask every guest at the end of an episode to lay a brick of wisdom I would suggest everyone gives journaling a go. That's my my thing that writing a little diary where you can jot down how you feel, jot down what you're noticing about yourself as the days go on. And I think it's so powerful because you will understand yourself so much better if you can do that in terms of your men- what you're thinking, but also what you're feeling. And I think if you want to, to learn about your body and become more body literate and understand it, the, the, the best way to do it is to just write about it. I love that idea. I'm going to add that to my journal. It's just what am I feeling? How's my body feeling today? How's my energy feeling? I hadn't thought about that. And I write, learned something and write down And write down things like... Um, you know, energy levels, write down how well you slept, write down how fit and or how well your exercise class went, what your bowels are doing, what how many times you got up to wee, you know, and if you're if you're having periods when whether you're in your whether you're in your period or whether you're ovulating, and you will notice there's a link. You will notice that your bowels will do something different just before your period. And you'll notice mm-hmm. that your energy levels will do something different. And you'll start to learn the magic of what goes on within us. That is a brilliant tip. I'm totally doing this. (laughs) So where can people send you updates on their skin and bowel movements and all that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But where can they find you on social media? So I'm the digital GP on social media or Dr. Bella Smith. It depends one or the other. Um, And then please find us at the well. So the well is uh, the well HQ again on Instagram, on Facebook, and we've got a website, got a book. We've just been, commission um and we've got webinars and we're setting up a brilliant new community so that women can ask all these questions um so yeah come to our website it's the well the wellhq.com 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for playing with us. I'm all pumped up. I have all kinds of new tools. Thank you, Bella. A great pleasure, Mandy. Thank you. Take care. I hope this episode reminded you that you are more than your achievements. You are also a miraculous, tender human body that needs you to advocate for it. So please do. While you're at it, please share this episode with someone in your life who needs to hear Dr. Bella's wisdom. I asked you a couple of weeks ago to write into the show at hello at mandyletto.com to share what episodes and what guests and what pieces of advice or tips you're actioning and how that's working out for you. So today we have our listener writing in from West Coast of Finland and Duli M has told us that she really enjoyed episode six with Farzana Nasser, nutritional therapist and functional medicine expert. She says, Farzana gave me the important reminder not to go against my body when something's off balance, but rather to move along with it, respecting and accepting what's going on and remembering that it tends to pass. Thank you, Tuli. I appreciate that. If you have an episode that you've really loved and you've implemented something from it, do write in and tell us how that is going for you. Next week on the pod, we are drawing to a close this season, and I will be doing a quick solo episode. So catch that one next week as we draw themes together for series one. I also wanted to let you know that Dr. Bella Smith will be back doing a bonus episode on sleep, especially if you are perimenopausal or menopausal, because sleep can be a challenge then. And we can't be in our enoughness if we're ratty and radioactive from lack of getting the Zeds that we need. This is Mandy Leto signing out for Enough, the podcast. As ever, thanks for playing with us. Thank <laughs> you.